Hey everyone, before we start the show, I just want to let you know that if you enjoy the Dare Daniel podcast, if you like the work we're doing here, you can help us grow the show by making a donation through the Dare Daniel website. Your generous contributions will help offset the cost of producing the show and will also enable long-term projects. You can make a one-time payment or set up a monthly subscription. Any amount helps and it's really greatly appreciated. Thanks a lot and here's the show. Friends of ours, you're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and I'm a cousin Nostra till I die. And with me, as always, is Daniel Barnes, a film critic for the Sacramento News and Review, and a member, a very inducted member, of the San Francisco Film Critics Circle. <laughs> Hi, everyone. As Corky said on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them on our unique system. Run-of-the-mill bad film gets rated a dare, a double dare is for the truly atrocious movie, and we reserve the reverse dare for a despised movie that is actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we'll be reviewing the Kevin Connolly 2018 critical punching bag, Gotti, starring John Travolta as a legendary New York mob boss. But before we get started, Daniel's going to tell us all about the beer we'll be drinking during the show. So on today's show, I brought us a beer by Crooked Lane out of Auburn, California. They do pretty much every style, but one of their specialties is classic European styles. And since when we're recording this, we're about to head right into Oktoberfest or Corktoberfest. Corktoberfest. Season, if you will. We're going to review their Oktoberfest Vienna Lager. It is 5.2% alcohol by volume. It is a very delicious beer. It's uh, malty. It's kind of roasty. Pretty delicious, very classic Vienna lager, I would say. So why are we watching Gotti? Because we were dared to by none other than Daniel's mom. Unbelievable. Daniel's mom's dare comes to us like this. I have only one word for dare, Daniel. <laughs> Gotti. Parentheses, mic drop. One word and a sound effect. 44 producers, what could possibly go wrong? Mom knows her stuff. I gotta say, I counted 57 <laughs> in the credits. I think they added maybe 13 producers, just to make it that much better. <laughs> the IMDb synopsis of this, the story of crime boss John Gotti and his son. Well, that's simple enough. Wow, succinct. Yeah. <laughs> so Gotti was released on June 15, 2018, and it seemed to acquire instant legend bad movie status uh, as soon as it was released. We were actually kicking ourselves that we couldn't squeeze in a review while the film was still in theaters we had to wait for bod zero on rotten tomatoes from the critics out of 44 reviews that is stunning the user rating is a much more respectable 53 24 on metacritic more on rotten tomatoes in a moment movie was directed by kevin Connolly. he's best known for playing eric on entourage (laughs) not for directing (laughs) it stars john travolta as mob boss john Gotti, of course The film apparently spent years in development hell with various directors and lead actors attached. It was announced in 2010 after the rights for the film were secured from John Gotti Jr., which is important for how this movie gets framed. Yes. It was originally supposed to be directed by Barry Levinson. Joe Pesci at one point was cast as Angelo Ruggiero. He gained 30 pounds. Uh, and then at some a certain point had his salary cut and they tried to recast him, so he sued for $3 million. Joe Pesci's like in his 70s. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you can't have him like... You can't have a man fluctuate 30 pounds of weight. That kind of, yeah, that weight fluctuation, not for a man that age. The New York City scenes in this movie, of course, is John Gotti. It's the New York yeah. 30. Shot in Cincinnati. <laughs> 
movie was almost entirely shot in Cincinnati, largely thanks to Ohio's motion picture tax credit. Principal photography for began, began back in July 2016, concluded in February 2017. It was originally slated for release December 15th, 2017, but two weeks ahead of its release, Lionsgate sold the film back to its producers and studio, and instead it was distributed by Vertical Entertainment and MoviePass Ventures. Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, MoviePass acquired an equity stake in the film. This is the... The app that sells movie tickets, the that sound deals business to venture movie pass, where the more <laughs> subscribers <laughs> to take on, the further they go into debt. They really figured that out. So they acquired a, an equity stake in the film, one of the many brilliant decisions they made last year. <laughs> movie pass accounted for 40% of the tickets sold, leading one studio head to remark that, quote, they're literally <laughs> buying the tickets to their own movie. Even with that, it still tanked a budget of 10 million box office gross of just over 4 million. It only opened in 503 theaters. It was gone after a couple of weeks. So returning to the Rotten Tomatoes uh, controversy a little bit, there was a controversy swirling around this film because there was a huge disparity between the critic score of zero, again, zero, yeah, and the first week audience score of 80. <laughs> it did drop to 53 after the first week, and the film actually, after its first week score, the marketing team actually was started trolling critics with their marketing push, uh, saying, quote, audiences loved Gotti, but critics don't want you to see it. The question is why? Trust the people and see it for yourself. 7,000 reviews were left on Rotten Tomatoes, a number similar to in The Incredibles 2, which came out the same week and grossed over 100 times as much money. A blogger found that more than half of the written reviews were from first-time reviewers. Do we know who that blogger was? We should credit them. Uh, I'll, I'll link to it. I have an article that I'll link awesome. to in the okay. site as well. Uh, essentially found that most of the reviews written for Gotti were by first-time reviewers who had only left one review for Gotti, or occasionally two reviews. Also, the other movie was <laughs> Always American Animals, another film acquired by MoviePass. <laughs> so MoviePass <laughs> selling fake tickets to the movie they acquired and leaving fake reviews. Yeah. Good job. Corky. Yes, sir. Obviously, there is a difference. Maybe not as pronounced a difference as Movie Pass would have liked us to believe. But there is a difference between what the critics think of this movie, which they think it's absolute garbage, and what the audiences think. They seem to think, man, it's not so bad. Okay. Are you on the side of the heartless critics on this one? Or are you siding with the possibly imaginary regular Joes? Oh, boy. I got a zero. I'm siding with the zero. Going zero. Yeah. yeah. Let's keep that number solid. Zero seems right. I like how Movie Pass, because it's a movie about the legendary mob boss, decided to get corrupt and do devious, sneaky shit. They're like twisting arms. They're like, buying their own tickets. All these like theater owners showing up with casts on their arms, <laughs> just, like broken figures. All this. Ah, God, it's a huge hit. It's a huge hit. This is a bad movie. Man. I mean, this is really bad, and it's not. It's is it not, a movie? Yeah, it, it really isn't. It's it's not transcendently bad like China Salesman. Right. China Salesman's bad and totally inept, and yet it, there's a. It's fascinating. Yeah. This is not fascinating. No. This is just a series of scenes that never coalesce into a story, that never develop a single character, and that have five or six different storytelling framing devices right. that are going on and different narrations that are going on. This movie is constantly like fighting against itself. And I was as I was telling you earlier, I think we're going to really rocket through this thing because at a certain point, I gave up trying to sure. follow what was happening. It is just one scene after another yeah. with no beginning, no middle, no end, and then a news report yep. showing the real life. This John is Gotti. the least amount of notes I've taken on a movie. 
Some I, of my notes are just like, boo, or <laughs> I hate this, or why. <laughs> like, I just like this fucking nonsense. Yeah, I did write Jesus fucking Christ. And it jumps times. back and forth in time so much, too. Uh, and who the fuck is the lead character? It's supposed to be John Gotti. It's about Gotti, but it's really John Gotti Jr.'s story. And yet John Gotti Jr. is not even a, a really significant character here. Nah. He has no weight to him at all. Okay, let's get let's get into this fucking travesty. Oh my god, yeah. My very first note, big capital letters. He's narrating, talking to camera. Jesus fucking Christ! Right away, Travolta me. and his utterly immobile face are speaking directly to the camera. So that starts away, and basically he's just saying fucking fucking fucking. Yeah, he's standing in front of the Brooklyn Bridge, turns around and says. Who am I? I'm the motherfucker, or something like that. Yeah. Just pretty much dick swagger. And then it says Gotti. Really and we're big. just supposed to be like enraptured by yeah. this already. This movie is a love letter to Gotti. It is. It is. A, and to Gotti Jr. Absolutely. And mm. that's why I'm saying the coming from Gotti Jr., I mean, this movie is all about trying to make a fucking mom boss seem yeah. like a really cool like family man. I mean, it's really sick stuff. So one scene in and I'm like, okay, I'm hooked because of how fucking clusterfucky this is. <laughs> if I wasn't hooked by then, I knew I was by the Pitbull song oh, that plays over the credits. Pitbull song. Pitbull. This, is a good, this is a good place for me to talk about. I'm going to totally derail right now. Please. So uh, Pitbull, basically I'm only ever exposed to Pitbull once a year on New Year's Eve. Because <laughs> Pitbull does like a New Year's Eve thing every year. Sure. Right? So I don't, otherwise I don't pitbull. What, what do I know? Yeah. But I, <laughs> but my wife has an amazing theory about pitbull. Okay. Which is essentially that it's actually Mike Myers <laughs> doing, doing a real like Andy Kaufman-esque yeah. kind of a character. I could buy that. Yeah. It's all just Mike Myers. It's, he's like a, he's got one of those kind of caps on, you know, one of those bald caps. Look at the movements. It adds up. I would say Mr. Worldwide, he looks like his name would be Marty in real life. <laughs> he just looks like a guy named Marty. So we have the Pitbull song, which is a, apparently an original song for this movie. Absolutely. This was their Oscar submission, I guess. Probably. But everything in this movie is like a, a porn-level version of The Godfather. Or, oh, yeah. Or some kind of a because the, biopic. The Academy credits. Biopic. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no. The credits are real images of John Gotti. Yeah. They're all news clippings. They're all people. But then there's like about, I don't know, 30 seconds of a wedding. And you realize they're trying to do The Godfather here. Yeah, they're trying totally. to say, mob movie has to open with a wedding. Let's use real footage of a Long Island <laughs> wedding where John Gotti was. Yeah, and the film's really hackneyed use of news reports uh, from the era to further the story and fill in blanks yeah. it starts right away from the opening credits just as the film's hackneyed use of narration and framing devices starts right away with john travolta yelling to the camera one fourth of this movie is actual footage of news reporters talking to the camera so we finally kind of land in long island 1973 where Gotti quote made his bones and became a made man and everybody in this movie just talks in gangster cliches non stop <laughs> this whole thing is like some like long island pussy's idea of what is a cool gangster yeah Kevin Connolly thinks this shit is cool. Exactly, yeah. That's what's so fucked up. These That's... guys are such assholes. They're such vulgar, stupid idiots. There's nothing special or notable about any of the characters in the movie. No. And boy, he just thinks it's so cool. Yeah. So, like I said, we jump back and forth between these two stories. So we, so we go to a federal penitentiary in Springfield, Missouri, where older John Gotti is meeting with John A. Gotti, or John Gotti Jr. I just call him Jr. throughout the entire yeah. thing. 
Old Gotti is ravaged by cancer at this point. Young Gotti just looks like a complete douchebag. Again, the, <sighs> so in the first scene we see him in where he's he, Travolta is Gotti, it's 1973, and he's playing – Gotti was about 30 years right. old at this time, right? Now we see him as old Gotti, yeah. and he's in his late or early 60s, I think, because he dies at 61. So he's in his early 60s. <laughs> Travolta has so much make, more oh makeup on as old Gotti than young <laughs> Gotti. Because in Travolta's mind, I'm closer to young Absolutely. Gotti. Absolutely. That's what's so fucking funny. He looks, and the funny thing is they bring him in like Hannibal like, Lecter. Yeah. And then his chin is like where the most makeup is kicked up. Yeah, his yeah. chin looks like a testicle. Not like two testicles, uh, like a testicle. Yeah. It's veiny and carved. And well, he talks about out. how they use skin from his face, from his <laughs> body to graft to his face. So, yeah. No, but it is like, yeah, you probably like... Needed a lot more for young guys yeah. than you did for he old looks like Gatti. He looks like the Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein. He looks like De Niro is Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein. Yeah, no. He, uh, Travolta looks like a creepy scarecrow came to life, basically. <laughs> right? uh, we jump back. We see Kelly Preston, who is John Travolta's real-life wife, is playing Victoria Gotti, yes. I believe. Yes. Um, she never grows into any kind of character. No one ever does. It, it just it flashes around so much. It never settles on anything that no character actually kind of... We never get a sense of anyone's relationship or anyone's she, feelings to each other. She just comes in and yells or cries, nope. and that's it. She's only there for Gotti to tell her to shut up or to tell her why she's wrong <laughs> or to say, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and did you hear Dan? He did say, we jumped there, we jumped forward, we jumped back. Exactly. That's Get yeah. ready for that, this whole thing. And we also, at some point, get Gotti... Seemingly narrating to us, which I guess was him from the beginning, but then other times he's narrating to other people. The whole <laughs> level of narration is nonsense. So, like, his narration comes in, but and it's like, is that him from the beginning? Is that him guiding us through the story? It's just... It's just a bunch of random shit that happens. I typically take notes. Each line is like a new scene or a yeah. new note. And this, my lines go 1973, 1975, 1973, 1979. Yeah. And you were right about his immobile face. He slurs every word because he can't quite close his lips. So now we jump to Queens 1979. Yep. Uh, where we kind of get a little more introduced to the Gotti family. The home life. Yeah, it's so all over the place. He has one great line where he comes in and he says, why don't you guys go see that movie you love about spaghetti, meatballs, or whatever. I wrote the fucking same <laughs> like, line, what? dude. <laughs> that was the only time I laughed this whole fucking movie. We meet Pruitt Taylor Vince as Angelo Ruggiero. <laughs> great cast. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell? Uh, we find out John... Uh, Gotti Jr. is at Military Academy, but he is not really fitting in because yeah. of uh, stuff going on with his dad. So I I should say I'm like a mob historian, or I was. I really was right. fascinated with mob shit. And I know I know all Gotti's story. And this kind of movie presupposes you do too. And Frankie Gotti, um, I knew he, he got killed and run over by a car when he was 13. Mm. But the movie really sets that up oh, because yeah. the the one like loving tender scene towards children god he's like hey frankie my boy frankie he's gonna be a brilliant genius someday <laughs> my boy frankie's gonna be a rocket scientist definitely not following in the family business no right? definitely uh, not and he that just signals this kid's gone by uh third act yeah but John Agotti Jr. definitely wants to follow in his father's business. He drops out of college and basically starts working with his father. Yeah, right. So now we're in New York City, 1979, of course. 
So we're at a uh, discotheque. Kevin Connolly purchased some sort of a gangster movie mixtape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, music in this yeah, movie. Yeah, we hear Shaft. We hear Heart of Glass. It's just like there's a gangster movie station on Sirius or something that he's listening <laughs> to. Ever, the music drop, the needle drops are so basic. You know that station would be called like Mob Hits. You know what I mean? H-I-T-Z. Exactly. And it would have a bullet, a sniper thing for the eye. So we, it's, it's, this movie's a character actor's fucking wet dream because the, even though the shot is composed to where it's obviously one central person that they're talking about, it'll flash their name under them. So it says Gaspipe Casso. Oh my God. Yeah. It was so Frankie weird. Locasio. And that's supposed to just be enough. Yeah. That's just supposed to be enough. Like it, sometimes some one person's name flashed for like a half of a second. It was like, <laughs> you don't give a shit about any of this stuff. And th- this movie is nonstop. Like you said, titles, someone's name will pop on yeah. screen. A place, a, a, a time, a year, and it's just, it doesn't, none of it sticks. They even do one, an alias. They even flash a name that is not <laughs> yeah, a real right. name because that person turned government uh, witness and is in, in Witsack now. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone just gets introduced with their title and the name. We get set up that Gotti doesn't like Sammy the Bull for shadowing. Gotti is somehow right about everything in oh, this movie, course. which doesn't explain why he went to jail. So, you know, went down. <laughs> So now we're back at the, as we keep jumping back between Gotti and Gotti Jr. And the kind of modern, the contemporary storyline, the Mm. issue is whether Johnny Gotti Jr. is going to cooperate or not. John is young and he is just No, not even cooperate, just take a plea. Right. That that whole conversation is just if he's going to take a plea. Right. Not cooperate. Gotti's like, you got to be a man. You got to say you didn't do it. Taking a plea, that's like being a pussy, right? Right. This isn't cooperating. <laughs> the crux of that is just like, does he cop a plea? <laughs> so now we go back to the Gotti residence, 1980. And this is where we see Frankie killed in a car accident in just the most brutally staged sequence. It is set up so f- for like a solid two minutes. You flash between this car driving down the neighborhood and a kid winding his bike through the street. Just like circling around in the middle of the street. And of course, yeah, he gets hit. Yeah. And this leads to just scenes of John Travolta crying and a lot of really overwrought Dude, classic breakdown type scenes. The hospital where the, you see the doctor get the give the news to John Gotti and John Gotti has to walk down to where his wife's waiting to give the news. He pauses and does a fist bite. A modern <laughs> fist bite where he fucking bites into his knuckles in the hallway. He does. It's oh a, my god! That's fantastic. I wrote capital letters: fist bite, <laughs> fist bite or lip bite. Fist bite. I gotta go. Fist bite. Yeah, I'm fist bite. Yeah, lip it. bite. You can do so many times. I hear you. I hear you. The fist bite. That's real stuff, right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every scene. Ste- there's not a single imaginatively staged, or even thoughtfully, or even competently staged scene in this entire movie. So after the scene where we find out that Frankie, the 13-year-old boy, dies, we go to a news report about how the driver was murdered. Yeah, true story. Yeah. They even flashed that guy's picture. But this is the thing about the movie. It almost has it like, we're not going to portray that in the movie. No. So maybe it happened, maybe it didn't happen, right? Like, it leaves so much gray area for the worst things that Gotti does. Yeah, and it leaves him open because he never really explicitly tells his men, go kill this guy. But he says, me and my wife are going down to Florida. And his men just pick up on that and say, Mm -hmm. we're going to go do that. So now, we're at Christmas Eve 1984. 
We were just in 1980. We're now at 1984. There's a headline in the paper, 10 members of the Gambino family indicted. And now we jump to Staten Island 1985. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who fucking, what is fucking happening? This movie goes through time like Doc Brown and Marty McFly. I mean, it's just all over the place. Yeah. And this leads to this, in 1985, this leads to one of the most irritating sequences of like hero worship. Yeah. Where basically both John Gotti and John A. Gotti go out and mercilessly pound on people. Just, oh, that's right. They're both just violent pieces of shit. And it cuts back and forth between both of them just being mercilessly violent sacks of shit while a, a cute pop song is playing. <laughs> that's right. You know, yeah. it's always like with a, with a pop song. Like, again, they think this is really cool. They really think this is cool. I know. It, in, it is. It's worship. In a film like Goodfellas, you get the feeling that they think it's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you're a moron... And you don't. You only take the film as a surface pleasures. Right. You might think it's cool too, but that's not what the movie's saying. And it's a good movie, and it's still shot well, and it's a memorable scene. But you still never empathize or are meant to like. Oh God, yeah, he's pounding that guy's face in. Yeah, yeah like we're not supposed to think Joe Pesci is like rad, right? When he like terrifies <laughs> Ray Liotta, right? We're supposed to be fucking terrified along with him. Yeah, nope. And yet, no, this movie would think, oh man, he's so badass. Yeah, this movie's supposed to be like, oh, that guy tried to buy you a drink? Yeah, fucking beat him to yeah. death. And it turns out, yeah, they do beat him to yes. death. But and they that, find out about it as they're like, oopsie. Yeah, which is really just like, you you beat a guy to death, you're going to bring a lot of heat on me, you dumb <laughs> know, kid. right? You dumb kid. He runs in, Gotti runs in and slaps him around a little bit and says, you got to... Yeah, straighten up and fly right. No more just murdering people in bars. So we're at Castellano's White House, Staten Island, 1985. And in the car with Bobby Borriello, John Gotti, and Neil Odell Croce in the back, we see Stacey Keach, who's Neil Odell Croce. He coughs in the middle of talking. So we're like, uh-oh. He's about to die. He's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so again, more foreshadowing that assumes you know everything about the Gotti story because they're gossiping and laughing about how Castellano's house got to be bugged. Turns out it was bugged. So there, we, there's a series of trials, and it pretty much yeah. just jumps from one to the other. We have no idea what he's being prosecuted nope. for or, or how, but it just jumps from one trial to the other. So we see him at a trial. He gets bail. His accomplice doesn't get bail and is named as an informant, and he that's obviously ends up dead later. But yeah. did Gotti order the hit? We never see it. Who no. knows? Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was just a coincidence. There's no tension to any of that. No. He's exposed as a, a, an informant, his lifetime friend. So? Who it's cares? It's just like bullet points. It yeah. just jumps to a thing. In, it, in 1985, this happened. In 1986, this happened. In 1987, this happened. This movie is a filmed outline of John Gotti's career. We also get this attempt to turn John Gotti into a man of the people. The 4th of July thing? The 4th of July party. Yeah. He's just a regular guy. He's beloved in the neighborhood. The cops, he shows up the cops who's trying to shut down the 4th of July party, and they literally say, next time, Gotti, and then turn, <laughs> and they're sufficiently cowed. So it was just a 4th of July party, right? Yeah. Nope, it's Christmas now. <laughs> Somebody's singing Silent Night while someone gets murdered because that's fucking cool, man. This is the Paul Castellano Spark Steakhouse hit. This is where I kind of stopped taking notes. It's just who cares? Okay, so we find out, again, this movie is a, is a mea culpa and an apology letter for John Gotti. Exactly. We find out it was Neil's plan all along <laughs> to whack Paul after he dies. And, but Stacey Keats says, to do this? You got to get all five boroughs, right? <laughs> which every New Yorker, when they hear all five boroughs, then they have to hear which they have to what hear. What are the five boroughs again? Brooklyn, Staten Island, 
<laughs> he goes through them all, and then with his hand, he goes, with that, you got a fist. <laughs> then he makes a fist. This is like George Clooney's character in The Monuments Men explaining the state of World War II to Franklin <laughs> Roosevelt. <laughs> it's like, I think he gets it. Like, if anyone knows the five boroughs. The only thing that would have made that scene even better is if Gotti then grabbed his fist and bit his fist for him. <laughs> <laughs> so Gotti is named head of the family. Yeah. Through again, he's rising through the ranks. He's ordering he's supposedly ordering hits. Who knows? I mean, Who maybe, knows? maybe not. But he's, he's maybe just, just maybe just getting lucky. Just, you know, failing upward. <laughs> Peter Principal. But now we jump to Little Italy 1986. Okay. I don't know why we did this. There was a car bomb meant for Gotti. It's basically set up that now Gotti is becoming a celebrity. Yeah, I wrote Gotti the celebrity, yeah. But again, I I, I wrote right here, I just wrote, I have stopped following this. It's just the, I, the sequences, the events we all know. There's no story. No. There's no story. Like, none of this is, like, coalescing. Eventually you think, okay, well, there's going to be a, some sort of a narrative through line that I can hang on to. But there isn't. You're it, just constantly displaced and constantly thrown off guard one thing i thought was funny though is when we first meet Gotti, uh kind of gossiping about other families we see vincent the chin gigante who did this kind of i don't know this kind of dipsy doodle on the government where he would wander around his neighborhood in his bathrobe and his slippers to try to look crazy so if he ever got arrested he could go to trial on that so they every time they cut back to this guy like they do three more times he's with his helper walking down his um tribeca street and then in this scene they show him actually going up the stoop so it's like Every, that was just one scene that they cut to four different times. And now I'm like, he wrote, oh, he finally made it into the house. Like the whole movie <laughs> from 1973 to 1985. Chin Gigante was just trying to get up that street. So a bunch of things happen. I don't know if any of them are at all important. If you know mob stuff, you know these events. It's none of it's delivered in any no, interesting the mob sort of cops way. And, and if you don't know castle. mob stuff, you're just like, what the fuck's even happening right. right now? Travolta ages four decades and Junior Gotti does not age a day. He no. has the same fucking dumb haircut all movie except for one later scene. <laughs> Gotti is found not guilty at another trial for why? We don't nope. really know because we don't even know what he's necessarily on trial for. And this is where he gets the nickname the Teflon Don. Yeah. Fast forward, Little Italy, Christmas Eve, 1988. Wasn't it just Christmas? <laughs> 1987. <laughs> I don't fucking know. But Junior is now inducted as a member of the Gambino crime family. So he's fully in the family now. Right. And again, this is his story. Like, he should be the soul of this movie. This movie does not have a soul. Nope. His journey from just being at a military academy to now being in the Gambino crime family seems like that's like a major journey, and yet it, it's all of a sudden he's just in the family, and that's that. I don't know how Junior Junior's like a very I think Brooklyn actor. He he has a real street Brooklyn yeah. accent. I don't know where he got it from because Travolta doesn't sound like this. <laughs> Kelly Preston doesn't sound like this. He was raised in a house by people. <laughs> he got an accent from somewhere else. So Junior says, "This is the proudest moment of my life." Yeah. And I'm just, I was really like, what am I even supposed to be feeling here? It seems like we really are supposed to be feeling yeah. proud that he's like joining his Gravano father. Introduces, the J- Gravano introduces Junior to his dad as like, here's your chief, here's your boss. And I wrote, is this supposed to be powerful? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to mean something to somebody, but it does not convey itself in this movie. Mm-mm. 
We get the meetings above the Ravenite Social Club where an old woman let them use their apartments. And this is all the dialogue is from actual transcripts that the government has released of John Gotti talking. So the dialogue is actual shit that's been said on there. Interesting. Actually, no, it's not interesting. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's not at all. Completely uninteresting. The cemetery scene is fucking amazing. We skipped over the part about Angelo Ruggiero. Oh, yeah. Angelo Ruggiero. That's Pruitt Taylor Vince. Yeah. He gets put on the shelf um, and eventually dies. And it's opined. I think he died of a broken heart. (laughs) This is like. John Travolta standing at his fucking tombstone and he's like, I'm sorry, Angelo. I hurt you. But you fucked up. <laughs> Kisses his fingers, then touches the tombstone and walks away. Like, even that moment, we had to absolve Gotti of putting his friend on the shelf. Plaza Hotel, 1990. <laughs> I don't know why. So now we're at John, John A. Gotti Jr.'s wedding. Yeah. Who earlier we saw him hit on some, like, 15-year-old girl, and now suddenly they're getting married. For 10 seconds? What, a, what an amazing love story Oh, that my is. God. I was pulled in. That's how you get the women to watch this movie. Absolutely. <laughs> this cuts to a Tom Brokaw report on John Gotti. And this is where like the news reports just start coming yeah. fast and furious. It's like every they, every other scene is an what, actual news report. 109 minutes, and they had to fill with so many news reports. Yeah, well, I mean, what else are you going to do? Fill it with his life? <laughs> what are you going to do? Flesh out a story? <laughs> what are you going to do? Have characters? Give me a break. So Gotti and his associates are now going to prison. Everyone's turning on the boss. Sammy the Bull, rats on Gotti. There's a bunch of real-life news reports, again, about his supporters. Yeah. Which was just... This is the... The movie really takes the point of view of of those quote-unquote supporters. Those guys who just look like total dirtbags who go to news cameras like, I thought he was a good guy. He did a lot for the neighborhood. Uh, The neighborhood's fucking safe with him around. It's safe. We're all safe now. What? The so-called government's going to put him away? (laughs) But when we talked about at the beginning of this movie, how it had zero by critics and then like 80%, you start to realize that, and you're like, that can't be, that can't be right. But then you start to realize that these people exist in the world. Oh, yeah. Who like really fucking support this guy. And somehow you end up with Trump as president. I'm sorry. Did I take it there again? (laughs) Did I take it there? I'm sorry. It got to Gotti's men are getting mowed down to, again, pop and rock songs because getting murdered is cool. Travolta has knuckles hairier than Cousin It, I noticed. (laughs) We jumped to Long Island 1998, where Junior is now let off by police. Junior has taken over. I mean, this gets glossed over real big, but Junior is the head of the Gambino (laughs) crime family for like six years. We were going a year (laughs) for skips, showing how Gotti got it. We somehow skipped over his entire reign as mob boss. uh, Uh, John Junior wants closure. Yes. He wants closure, which it means stabbing good old dad in the back. What does his dad say when he hears the word closure? What is that? Some college word? I don't know. <laughs> closure. Your kid who didn't go to college. Then there's Junior and his real life lawyer. Because you see him. He's, he's in the only oh, person really? in the movie. Yeah. That's right. He's in the only person who's in the movie in scenes and then also <laughs> footage talking to the cameras. So Gotti finally dies in prison. Uh, 2002, Junior only learns about it on TV while he's in prison. But as Gotti dies, as he's dying like he's cancer so bad, there's a scene where he, he's talking about your dad's out in so much pain. The morphine's not working. We can give him out of him. We'll just put him in a coma. This will be alive. And Travolta's fist keeps raising up. He's chained <laughs> to his bed. His fist keeps raising up like, don't do it. The man will not go down. <laughs> Gotti will not go down. 
So, like, somebody was jerking off oh while filming this. Like, oh, Seriously. for God, it was powerful. Yeah, we could do it. <laughs> yeah, and the, again, the whole portrayal of, of Junior is yeah. is weird to try to make him look like a hero or like he's trying to do the right thing or that he's doing something for his family. And it glosses over the entire thing, which, from what I understand, he was very incompetent at, at being a mob boss, was right. really bad at his job, and was pinched because he kept a list of names <laughs> and hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash in his fucking house. And he was set up as the person who was going to take the heat anyway. That's what about the time when the mobs started saying, no, we'll put the boss, the most incompetent guy who's got the name, and we can operate, and they'll just focus heat exactly. on him. Exactly. Yeah, but it makes it seem as though he somehow rose through his, his yeah. own. Yeah. This is also when we start cutting back between the actor playing John Gotti Jr., who does not age at all until they just spray paint <laughs> white on the sides of his hair, and then the real John Gotti Jr., who's in his 40s, yeah. and he looks he looks like me, <laughs> like with a paunch, gray hair. Yeah, the, again, the attempt to make the Gottis look cool, look like rad people and not just vulgar violent piles of shit is disgusting and it would be disgusting even in a competently made movie so finally federal court in new york that was again just it's a series of of trials nothing ever makes any sense kelly preston gets one last shot to grandstand at a trial by screaming to the judge this is a travesty Ooh, i thought China salesman had phonetically pronounced dialogue here in <laughs> Kelly Preston. So we see John Gotti Jr. Again, it's all trials. He's being shuffled around from place to place called diesel therapy. There's one where they're bringing him in through like a darkened basement. And now he's got long hair like he wasn't allowed to cut his hair. The wig on this kid is so <laughs> fucking bad. And then it ends, mercifully. We it's, get- yeah, it's just as Again, there's just news reports, news reports, news reports. It, it, it starts to go in the third act is almost more... Just real life news reports yeah. than it is actual drama. I would going I on. would agree. And then there's a scroll at the end. Mm-hmm. If you didn't get the point that this movie was going to try to polish John Gotti's reputation, yeah, and especially Junior Gotti, rationalized murder. The, the scroll at the end really does it. Everybody who testified them was a rat and a punk, uh-huh. and got good deals from the government. Went out and kept stealing and robbing, <laughs> while the poor Gottis were just so put upon by the government and these people. Oh, God, yeah. And then we get one last shot of... One last shot of Travolta just narrating straight to camera where all of a sudden he just basically yells at the camera something like, you're never going to see a guy like me if you live to be a thousand years. And then that's it. He runs off and that's it. (laughs) And it's like, that's such a weird line to end on because one thing that is I will say about this movie is that there is nothing special about any of these characters. There's nothing notable. None of them have any personality beyond the very basic I'm a gangster personality. Yeah. I've seen a million people like you in every year. Right. There's like nothing special about it. But yeah, you're never going to see another one like me for a thousand years. You're right. And fuck, you know what? Maybe that's true, but this wasn't in that movie. This was nowhere to be found in that fucking movie. Sure. That make you in, an interesting person at all or to make you anything that we would want to say, oh, you know what? He's a scumbag, but that's a good movie. Right. No, there's nothing. No, exactly. Yeah, like I said, I mean, Goodfellas, those guys are all scumbags, but it's a great movie. And it's not because it, it is a, a harsh indictment or anything like that. But again, it, it's it's well made. It's intelligent. It has developed characters. It has relationships that make sense. This movie has none of those things. 
This movie was made by people who fast forwarded through any Sopranos scene that wasn't the mob. Exactly. It wasn't just a hit. (laughs) Yes. All right. So let's wrap it up. Corky, any final things to say about Kevin Connolly's Gotti? I will say I was really looking forward to watch this movie. I wanted to see this movie in the theaters. And that opening scene, I was like, oh, God, yes, we're getting something gloriously horrible when Mm -hmm. he's talking straight to the camera. No. No. No scene is like more than two minutes long. It sets absolutely nothing up. And it was probably the worst movie that we've seen, in my opinion, because the incompetent movies, they're just incompetent. Yeah. The movies that, uh, like Snowman was indecipherable, but that was at least a competently shot movie. Yeah. This movie is none of those, and nobody's good in it. Nobody, uh, fuck this movie, man. Terrible production values, bad on every imaginable level. I don't even know what the fuck to say about it. Like, yeah, like you said, there's a bad movie. There are bad movies that are fascinating and that are fun to talk about. I don't think I would have stayed awake in the theater. I don't think I could have stayed in the theater because I was audibly just loud sighing and, and making really annoyed noises throughout this entire thing. I don't know if I would have been able in a public setting to hold back on that. How do you make a movie that is about the mob and glorifies mob boring? You know what I mean? Right. How, do, I know, how do you make that? Shouldn't shit that at boring? least be like fascinating in this in a weird way or so, like perverted? It, and, it was it was violence porn, but even that shit was not. There's nothing to it. Yeah, it was so diluted because again, the movie wants to say both: these guys are badasses for being killers and criminals, and yet at the same time, maybe they weren't killers and criminals. They were actually pretty <laughs> good guys. Like it tries to have it both ways of. These guys are awesome for being violent, but no, they're not. They're awesome for being family men. Yeah, the movie's almost come, kind of like that old sketch by Chris, the Chris Farley show. It's like, hey, remember John Gotti? <laughs> he was rad, huh? And that's all it does. It just brings up everything you know. All right. All so right. sounds like we are both, I'll go over our ratings again. Yeah. Your average everyday bad movie, that's a dare. Your next level bad movie is a double dare. The movie that we actually like is the reverse dare. Sounds like we are both on a hard double dare. I'm going a fucking uh, wackaronionio double dare here. Triple dare, baby. Like, don't watch this. Seriously. Like, it's China Salesman. If you want a bad movie that is fun, we've reviewed a lot of them. Rawhead Rex, bad but fun. Yeah. This movie is excruciating to watch after the first five minutes. Excruciating. Yeah. All right, so that's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel, but we'll be back next week to review another one of your movie dares. Hopefully it's a good one this time. In the meantime, check out our Thursday mini episode for a preview of the next Dare Daniel review, as well as more talk about your dares and movies in general. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com, and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on the iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can read more of my movie reviews. Cookie. Yeah, man. Yo, Gabagool. <laughs> Yo, Gabagool. Where can people find more of your work? All right. You can find me. I might be performing at the Raven Knight Social Club or the uh, Tribeca Boys Club or the Palma Boys Social Club. I'll be doing my uh, standard nightclub act of uh, singing mob hits <laughs> and uh, doing a little uh, herky-jerky. <laughs> That sounds fantastic. For Dare Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny Bada Bing Flores. And I'm Corky McDonald saying, uh, as long as you live a thousand lifetimes, you ain't never going to see a podcast like this. Capacola. Capacola. Good night.